It's no secret that industries across the board are all striving to do better and be better when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. But there's one industry that still has a long way to go when it comes to not only representation, but access for people of color. So what is it? The fitness industry. And today I sat down with certified personal trainer, group fitness instructor, and fitness writer, Brittany Hammond. We talk about the culture of the fitness world and how boutique fitness is sometimes unattainable to the people that need it the most. You're listening to We Need to Talk. We Need to Talk. Brittany Hammond, thank you so much for being on We Need to Talk. Thanks for having me. Of course. I haven't had this conversation on my podcast, so that's why I was really excited to chat with you because I know there are things within the fitness industry that a lot of people don't know when it comes to racial equity and diversity and all of those things. So I appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with me. But before we even get into the nitty gritty and all that stuff, what pushed you to want to get involved in the fitness industry? Because you're a certified personal trainer, you do group fitness, and you're also a fitness writer, which I know is something you're really passionate about. So what pushed you to be involved in this industry specifically? So it was really my own personal journey. I, um, I moved to California years ago. I don't even know how long, maybe (laughs) I guess seven years ago now. And, um, I was in a city that I didn't know anybody. I was in Corona far. I'm in the inland empire and I didn't know anybody. I, other than the two people that I worked with and I just needed something to, to do, to, to escape and to kind of like do for myself. That was, um, rejuvenating. And so I started working out on my own and just did a lot of my own fitness routines. I started this, it's an app called couch to 5k, which I recommend if anybody's looking to kind of start getting moving again, uh, but couch to 5k. And it allowed me to really build my way up on, uh, on my fitness, um, endurance. So I would start working out and then I would post about it on social media. Cause of course, if you don't post about it, it doesn't happen. So <laughs> I'm like, was it real? So I posted about it and then people would say, oh, like you're so motivating and you just like, you motivate me every time you post about your workouts. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And at the time I really started um, strengthening my faith walk as well. And so I spent a lot of time um, in prayer and just walking after I would do my runs and talking to God. And I had this download from God that was like, you are supposed to be using your your motivation and, and how people are feeling about this for for me, for the greater good, for um, the fitness industry. And I had no idea how, and I was like, what are you talking about? I work in radio. This is, this is crazy. You know, like, <laughs> no, um, I don't see that. And, uh, but I wrote it down actually in a journal about like, you know, I just had this, like, I just feel like God's telling me I'm supposed to be in the fitness industry some way, somehow, cause I'm in radio now and I don't know how that will happen. Uh, but okay. And so, you know, after, you know, a couple of years down the road, I ended up in fitness, but it really started as my own personal journey that I was just trying to find, um, my own solace, my own comfort, my own, um, like, I don't want to say escape in the sense of like running away, but just like a space to, um, be me and show up fully and just kind of like let the day go and let my, let my energy out and, you know, anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. What I love about that is because coming from a spiritual, um, journey myself is it's also a little frustrating when you do hear God speak so clearly and you're like, what is (laughs) a part of the plan whatsoever? Like I didn't think that I would be doing this, but I think it, 
just having, you know, worked out with you for the last three months, you, there is like a spiritual aspect to your, your teaching and your coaching. You're very, very inspirational, very encouraging. So it does seem like it's aligned for just who you are, just being in this industry and helping people reach their goals and get to the better part of themselves. So I think it completely makes sense. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I definitely was like, I have no idea how this connects. Um, but okay. And I may used to make jokes in my radio job when I'd be hosting at events, like I should be a Zumba instructor. I'm going to be a Zumba instructor, like just, and it would just be something we would all laugh about. And not that yeah. I coach Zumba now, but I do group and uh, fitness. So that's kind of, it just all kind of came full circle, which made me laugh because it was always just a joke. We would all have at events of like, Brittany's going to be a yoga instructor. And, and I would lead <laughs> fake workouts and just like, so Oh my At gosh. all, he knew. I could see it. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, as your journey continued throughout fitness, what did you notice about the culture of the fitness industry? Because I think that you know, if you're not a fitness instructor and you just kind of go to the gym and you enjoy it, you may not know the behind the scenes ongoings of what a fitness culture is really like. I I think there's two parts to this because I think one, we live in LA, and I think the LA culture mm -hmm. is probably different even than any other culture, uh, fitness culture, um, in general, I think that in LA, I have seen it be a lot more aesthetic based, um, in a lot of spaces, um, that we are, you know, in some studios I've been to or visited, it's just people that are already super in shape and, and just want to be more in shape. It's, it's, um, exclusive. I think that's probably the best word I would use for it. Um, in LA, at least I've been, I haven't, to be honest, been to a lot of places outside of Los Angeles, as far as like when I was in my fitness career, um, when mm -hmm. I leave town, I go, I do go work out. Um, I do think definitely in the fitness, the boutique fitness space, which is where I work in. Um, it is very, um, no, it's not diverse at all. There's, um, very few, people of color. There's it's, um, I mean, there is a price point to it, which excludes a lot of For people. Sure. Again, it's just, it can be very exclusionary, the fitness community. Um, and of course the odd thing is, is that we try to, you know, especially in boutique fitness tout this like family feeling and this, um, you know, we're a family and, and I do believe the studio I work at, I do believe that is the case. I do. I don't feel the clickiness. And that's one of the reasons that, that, that I work at the location that I work at and the space that I work at, because I feel like we've done a really great job of creating a community of, even though it may not be as diverse, um, still, because that's just the nature of the boutique space. It is, it is a more diverse than a lot of other places that I've seen. We have people just starting their fitness journeys, uh, coming back mm -hmm. from having babies, um, you know, coming back or trying to get ready for weddings, like people that aren't necessarily just trying to increase appearance, but trying to increase the the quality of life. Mm -hmm. Um, which I, I haven't seen in a ton of spaces that I've been to in LA. Um, and you know, some people may be like, that's not true. And, and that, and that, that that's my experience. That could be their right? experience. And, then, yeah. and my experience <laughs> with it is, is that. So, um, yes, it's, it can be very exclusionary. It's uh, not diverse in the least bit. Uh, obviously mm -hmm. if you're in gym culture, or maybe going to a big box gym, you would see something a little bit different. I'm guessing that the the level, the playing field's a little bit more level in the sense because it's more affordable for all people. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, the the disenfranchised communities are typically the black and brown communities, and those are the people right. with um, less disposable income, which may not find the gym as a necessity, um, and also the people that need it the most, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, but I definitely know, at least in the, in the LA space and in the space that we're in, I do feel as though 
it's, it's an exclusive community. It feels very, mm-hmm. um, you know, the haves and the have not sometimes, I guess, in the space of, of fitness. Right. right. Do you think that there's a way for boutique fitness to be accessible for everybody? Um, I definitely, and I, I believe that there would have to be a point to move into communities that, um, that this would be accessible to part of it. And, you know, as, as you've talked a lot about different, um, disparities in the communities, part of it is, is, you know, the lack of access. And some of these, some people in these communities and black and brown communities are, are using buses, are using public transportation, are using systems of, of transportation that don't necessarily lend themselves to being at a boutique fitness space, especially if it's not walkable or somewhere that's like off of a bus line or something really accessible. So you'd have to be very intentional about placing your studio in a location that was accessible. And you would also mm-hmm. have to be um, intentional about the price point, intentional about yeah. um, about potential childcare services. I mean, there's a lot that go into, and even at our studio that I'm at now, the studio that I work at now, there, I mean, childcare can be is, is for everybody. That's not just, you know, a lower socioeconomic status. Like that's not just for somebody who needs childcare for that. It's all across the board. You know, one of our biggest pushbacks is like, I don't have childcare or like, I need somebody to watch my kids or do you have a daycare? And so, which is places like big box gyms, like a 24 hour or something like that are more desirable because they have children's play areas. They're a little bit, they're, they're more in the areas that people, you know, they're all over. Um, so I think it has to be a very intentional movement to mm-hmm. make that happen. And I don't know that boutique spaces are really um, are really up for the challenge. I, I don't know. Right. I think that there's a part of it that there's a reason that they are boutique. There's a re- I mean, they're high end. They are supposed to be. They're supposed to have that, um, that stigma to them. They're supposed to be like, oh, you go yeah. to XYZ? Like, oh, you know, they're supposed to give people a kind of um, pride in where they go. And then if someone hears like, Oh, wow. You know? And so I don't know that yeah. they want to be in those spaces that, um, would maybe de- they feel would devalue their, you know, would take away the brand. their brand or their value. Yeah. I, I don't know if you watch stand-up comedy, but, um, on Chris Rock's recent thing, and this kind of made me think of, of just, you know, the devaluing of the brand. He said, you know, obviously segregation is illegal. Jim Crow is not mm-hmm. a thing anymore. However, you know, for example, Whole Foods doesn't say no black people allowed, but a $7 orange right. does. A hundred percent. I haven't watched it yet and I really want to. Um, it's great. Yeah. But it's but things it's like very that. True. So like with certain boutique fitness, they're not saying, you know, in plain sight, we don't want this type of demographic to be a part of our brand and our company. Mm-hmm. But by how they operate, where their price point is, the locations that they land it's kind of obvious that that's what they're saying. And it's disappointing because for me, at the end of the day, like, what is the goal? Is the goal to get people healthy Mm -hmm. and let them lead their best lives? Or is it just to make money? Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely the piece that I'm, you know, very passionate about. And once I get going, I'm like, you know, because I, I know that, you know, the disparity in these communities and the places that have higher levels of heart disease, diabetes, um, you know, yeah. things like that. They are in, in spaces where there's no access to fitness. There's no access to, you know, they're in food deserts. So, so, so there's no access to healthy foods. There's no access to, uh, fitness facilities that are, are nice. And, and here's the thing. I think there's, um, you know, you would say like, Oh, well, you have a YMCA, you have XYZ, you know, you have these like places that are supposed to be more affordable, 
Um, and, and then you go to these places and the equipment is not great. The instructors yeah. are, you know, subpar, some of these, not all of them, but some of them are, are not, some of them don't even have group fitness. Some, you know, and I had joined a gym, um, which will remain unnamed, but I joined a gym <laughs> and it's fairly, it's fairly new. It's like a newer, um, one that was just built and the equipment was awful. And I thought, well, and I mean, maybe it's because I'm used to what I'm used to, which again, it's that higher end price point, which a lot of the equipment is really nice, but it's like, why can't we have that same equipment for a lower price point? Do people not deserve yeah. to have that same experience? And that's something that I'm really passionate about is creating an experience or I want people in all walks of life to have the same fitness experience. Not like, oh, well, I go and the machines are broken half the time or, you know, or they're old or they're falling apart. And and those are just, and some of them, like some YMCAs aren't really that affordable um, when it, right. when you look at it. So it's, it's just interesting because the places that, you know, need access the most are the places that don't have it. And it's, you know, we, we say, Oh, the health, the cost of healthcare is so expensive and we don't want to pay for all these people to have healthcare. And it's like, but you don't pay for them to be healthy. Like we don't help them to be healthy in the first place. So how yeah, are we supposed yeah. to have these, this healthy, these healthy communities when we don't help them in the first place, but then we complain when we have people who are needing healthcare, like we don't want the solution to the problem. We just want to, yeah, we want to medicate people and if they can't afford medication too bad, so sad, but let's, yeah. let's heal them from the inside and not need the medication and not need all those things that people then end up complaining about of like, I'm not paying for somebody else's healthcare. I don't want healthcare access right. for everybody. It's like, well, which I know it's a whole for thing. me, and I'm sure this is for you as well, like that mindset, I can't really wrap my mind around because I've always been such a generous, giving, mm-hmm. loving person wanting to help other people no matter what I'm doing. So I can't for the life of me imagine just thinking, I don't want to help. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's hard to, I mean, there's a lot behind that that's outside of the fitness yes. industry that yeah. that's yeah. not even necessary to talk about, but it is, it is very much so the, um, the mentality of like, I don't want to give you a handout, but it's like, you don't understand that giving people health, the access to health creates in the future, less pressure on the system in general, but you have to start from that like interior and what something my brother always says is like the micro influences the macro. And it's like, you mm-hmm. start on that, you know, the smaller places where we can actually make a difference. And then long down the road, then we're not worried about spending all this money on healthcare and all of these things. If we can actually bring things into the communities now that can create new mindsets, new, new thoughts around health. And, and so we just, we don't do a great job of that. It's interesting, this contrast, though, in the fitness industry, because this obviously is one part of it. But on the flip side, and this is something that I've heard from one of my good friends, she was a um, a bodybuilder in competitions and things like that, how much black bodies are actually coveted in the fitness industry, but then still excluded traditionally. And I'm curious what your experience has been like witnessing that type of thing. I don't know if you've like been to competitions or seen competitions and I'm sure it even happens in the boutique fitness space, like with the trainers as opposed to the members. But I have noticed that people really look to black bodies for physique, for, for natural ability, but then they're still kind of kept out of, of the fold, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, and, and I wouldn't say that I maybe have personally experienced it myself in this sense, but I, I, I recognize it. You know, I think, especially in, in pop culture and media, we see, you know, people getting BBLs and not to say that's 
only people like there's people of color getting BBLs too. I'm not saying like that is an exclusively, you know, right. thing not reserved. That's it's across <laughs> right. the board. I mean, everybody's doing it. So that that's not the case. But there is there is in that BBL space this idea of what the ideal body looks like. It's, you know, the yeah. big, the big, strong, the 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 thighs, the booty, the you know, and even to the facial, like facial parts, like the lips, the, you know, just a lot of this extra that typically and over in history we've been degraded for. I mean, you had blackface that overly accentuated the lips that was supposed to be this like negative, negative point to a black woman. And now that's like what everybody wants is, (laughs) you know, it's like, like everything on TikTok is like how to get big lips without getting injections. And they show you how to make your lips look bigger. And they, you know, and, and that's something that we really focus on. And I would say there's a space of, I don't even think that the, that people who desire those bodies understand that they're keeping, that they're not allowed in the fitness space. I don't think that Mm -hmm. that's on a membership level. Like you said, um, I think it's a way higher up level, even higher than me of this space of, of, of companies, um, pandering to the, the ideal that people want to that mindset that mm. people have. Um, and I don't even necessarily know that it's like on the trainer level. I think it's so much deeper than that of like, we know what people want. We know what people desire. And so we're going to kind of give them ways to do that. Like now there's a lot of workouts that are focused on only the butt, which you know, or only the lower body or things like that, which we know you can tone a muscle, but you can't spot train. You can't say like, I want, like, I don't want fat here. So I'm going to do like a hundred squats and every single day, you know, and, <laughs> right. and we do that too. And, and the things that are most popular and even in fitness writing, I see the things that are most popular are like lower body. Like I did squats for a hundred days or do this for a hundred days and see how your booty gets better. And I mean, I've read those stories and I've seen, you know, people's results from it. And it's like, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's a little rounder. I, I don't know. Uh, um, but it, it's, you know, there's this, I think from the highest up point, it's this idea of let's pander to that, be, to that belief. Let's pander to that desire to want to be this specific look, this specific body. Um, and, and again, I think at least in the, in the, um, company, the corporation that I'm a part of with my fitness training, I, I don't necessarily see them promoted in that sense. There is more of an idea around like health, um, around like creating a longer lifestyle of longevity. And so I wouldn't say I see it as much there, but there are, you know, someone had posted a gym that I don't even, is here in LA, of course. Um, and I went to their website and it said something about like what you can expect from us. And then it was like on our, like on our Instagram, you can see pictures of sexy bodies. And I was like, what, you know, since when was that important in fitness is seeing pictures of sexy bodies and, and what, but, but but then I go to the page and what bodies do you see? You see like the small hips, the big glutes, the, you know, so it's that body type that again, you look to mostly in the, you know, black and brown communities Um, and you see those, those, like the hips, the big hips, the thighs, the glutes and, and, but that's what they're saying is like, oh, these sexy bodies. But I'm like, but then I look through their pictures, like all white women with these bodies, Mm -hmm. not black women with these bodies. 
Um, so it just, it's that space of like, this is the sexy body, but you're not allowed here or not even that you're not allowed. It's, it's just, again, like you said, it's, it's not, if you don't see yourself in the pictures, you're not going to go there. Like if I don't see myself, I will go through somebody's social media and I'll be like, if I don't see somebody of color on their social media page, I will not do business because I'm like, you're not trying to talk to me anyways. You're not trying to get my business. You don't want that from me. So I pay attention to that in the fitness industry and, and in fitness, um, posts whenever I'm looking at a gym or like, cause I get curious and I just like to look what other businesses. And there's a lot of, there's not a lot of black bodies in the pictures. Um, and yet there's bodies that look like black bodies, but they're not on black <laughs> on black bodies, you know? Um, yeah. so <laughs> right. it's kind of, I, so I just, I do think it's up even higher than we know about that. It's more of like this mental space. Um, and even as me being a curvier woman, um, and having hips and thighs and things, I struggled at the very beginning of wanting to be in the fitness industry because I thought, oh, I don't look like any of the other instructors. Like, mm. and I remember telling my mom, like, I'm the fattest instructor there is. And like, I, and, and again, that, and that's very relative. And, and I hate that I even said that, but it, just to be honest, that's what I said. Like, of you course, know, I'm the biggest one. And it really was hard for me because I was like, man, everybody I work with is super trim and, and all the, you know, but I also find you know, members will be like, Oh my gosh, I want your arms. I want your back. I want, you know, and all these things that I, that I always thought were a downside, but I had a lot of hard time that way too, because I felt like, well, my body is not the fitness body, but then you come to Mm -hmm. find out like your body is kind of what is desired. So it's an obvious, and like you said, in the, in, um, in athletic ability, I mean, it's no secret that a lot of our, our sports stars are, of African-American descent, black descent. And, and that's our desire. I want to be as fast as Serena. I want to be as a jump as high as, you know, I don't know a lot of basketball players, but some basketball player, like LeBron, LeBron, there we go. I know, I know, I I don't, I won't watch a ton of basketball, but I'm like, no one's coming to mind. I'm like, no, you could know, you know, LeBron. I'm like, no one's coming to mind. And then it's like, oh, duh. Um, but yeah, it's like, I want to jump as high. Like I want those, those traits and, and that's what we train for. But again, that is because those are the faces that are in those spaces as well. So is it like chicken or egg, you know, is it like, we want that because those are the, because that's the desire of like, that's of those people. Or it's like, well, those people happen to be in those spaces. And I just want, like, I just want to be the fastest. I want to be that. And we as black Americans happen to be some of the fastest, some of the strongest, like, so it's kind of like, is it just because we're in those spaces that those are places that are looked up to as far as athletic ability, I think, as far as body type, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, it's one of those, like, I don't want to be you. I don't want to deal with like the racism and all those things and all like the hardships of being black, but I definitely want to have that booty. And that's like, that's the space that's challenging. And that's the thing that I don't think people realize because I've noticed just in commentary in general over a lot of things when it comes to, you know, talking about like anti-blackness and things like that, people think, well, like, oh, because it didn't say it, that doesn't mean that it's racist, which we know as black people, that is not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Like you don't have to say something to know that there is racist undertones. Mm -hmm. And I think with the fitness industry, like when you were talking about marketing, like if you don't even see a single black person on an Instagram page or in any of the advertising, you're like, well, this isn't for me. Right. And this isn't how I'm included. But then here's the this is the 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 part that I really want to ask you about. How have you seen tokenism played a role in the fitness industry? Because mm-hmm. on one hand, there <laughs> you guys can't see her face. 
<laughs> she's ready to answer i know <laughs> so on one hand you have the you know being excluded of the other hand they're like oh we're checking the box mm -hmm. right okay go because i know you gotta wrap um, on this <laughs> that is one of the things that i struggled with the most during um you know after the death of george floyd and and black lives mm -hmm. matter and 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 people coming to all of a sudden these you know we want to support Black Lives Matter, We, you know, and great. I hope you do. But I also hope it's genuine. And I think a lot of that, especially in the fitness industry, was very much um, was very much in um, I feel like I have to like we, we have to say mm. something, not we want to say something. There were some uh, companies that did it right. There were some companies that definitely like came out right away and said it. The other companies um, that I called out <laughs> specifically, um, because of their response to it. And, um, again, I've had issues with companies where, um, after the fact that I'm going to be, you know, black history month, it's like, let's put this on our stories on Instagram, something that disappears in 24 hours, but you'll be <laughs> hard pressed to find something on their actual like page that stays. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I believe that tokenism of like, we're going to show that like we have black trainers and like, let's talk to all the black trainers in our, you know, and I was, and I was part of one of those videos because they were, they had reached out and said, oh, will you like give your experience? Um, and you know, and then I was like, okay, well maybe they're in the right track. And then it went in their stories. And I thought this is 100% not it. Like you mm -hmm. are too afraid to, rock the boat, so to speak of having, yeah. and yet your coaches on a large level are black. A lot of your coaches, a lot of your favorite coaches are black. Um, I did a, um, I was the host of a, I guess, Instagram, uh, show, I guess for one of the popular meme accounts for, uh, fitness brand and we did and she had come to me the owner of the the um, Instagram account came to me and said I really want to highlight black coaches and members in the organization would you host it and I did that and you know it was really interesting and and you know everybody's like I love this coach I love this coach and it was so they were just like so beloved and yet the actual company didn't do anything like that they didn't and acknowledge the page or what was done. Um, and I think there were great conversations that were had around what it was like to be, you know, a black person in the industry and also to, to be in the space and then have your much of your clientele not look like you. And what does that feel like? And how does that tie into it? How have you felt supported? Um, things like that. And so, yeah, I definitely think that you know, during Black Lives Matter, there was a large, uh, like, look at all this, like, we support mm -hmm. Black people and look at all this color. Um, and then you could probably go back through now and look at those same pages and see, no not change. right, not even half of that anymore yeah. of, of that. It was definitely like for the moment, um, creating, you know, diversity and inclusion groups that have not been followed up with. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that we do a poor job in the fitness industry of including um, minorities in general. And then when we do, yeah. it's very much, it's very, it's very performative. Uh, yeah, performative. <laughs> it's calculated. 
It's, um, again, it's in a story. It's something that's not going to last more than 24 hours. So it's like, I can say that I did it. We can say we did it. We can be like, yeah, we did it. We put it on there. Did you not see it? It's like, well, no, I'm not. I mean, I am on social media all the time, but like, I'm not on social media all the time to be watching for 24 hours for your story. So no, I didn't see it. And then to say like, well, we put it there and it's like, you check the box, you got it up there. You know, you're, you're like, oh, like Mexican heritage month quick, like, oh, black history month quick. Like, it's just, you go through it. Um, but then, and then you see, and this is another thing you see things like pride, which is like, and we should definitely support that, but that's like on the page, all out there everywhere, because for some reason it's okay to do that, but not to support black lives. But you're like, well, we can support, you know, LGBTQ and we should, I'm not saying that we should not, that's 100% not what I'm saying, but it's like, that's a completely different, like, because there's this space of like, I think this fear of being like, oh, you're a bigot if you don't recognize that, but you're not that if you don't recognize other races. And, and that's interesting to me because it's a difference when it comes to that, or even like, and I know the work that you've done with like anti-Semitism, like there's, there's like a, a taboo around race and religion and things like that. But it's like, oh, because, because we're trying to really accept sexuality and, and all that, we're like, let's push that to the forefront. Let's, and, but at the same time, let's make money off of that because don't for a second think (laughs) that they're, they're doing all this pride stuff without selling merchandise without like any of that, because that is a big part of it. And I think that it's easier to, to monetize pride than it is to monetize black history in a space where, or for example, black history or any kind of race, um, racial celebration, because you don't have enough members to sell the merch, to make it popular, to make the money, but you have enough money that'll support pride. And so those people, they're like, well, this will make us money. So we're going to go ahead and promote this, but this isn't going to make us money. So we don't need to really put that much attention into it or make a big deal out of it. It can go on a story. And I think, unfortunately, it comes down to a capitalistic view on on who on who's important because who can who can make you money in se- in selling merch or supporting things like that and it's that's really it and and again it would be different i mean you see again target which is great is doing you know the black history month stuff and again because they know they have people that will buy it um and if they didn't <laughs> right 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 um and they're doing a great job on that but it's like yeah. if they didn't think that they had an audience, they wouldn't make it. Like for they sure. don't do that for AA, like they don't do it for Asian American Pacific Islander month. They don't do that for Mexican heritage month. Like they do it. They do it for pride and black right, history month. Right. Those are the main and again, ones. Yeah. like, and, and may that change and may, well, they maybe go into spaces like as it comes up and maybe there's just like more focus on because of, you know, because black Lives matter and all that, there's more focus on those two industry or those two um, spaces. Yes. And so maybe they'll expand, but it's like, it still comes down to the, in my opinion, to the capitalistic nature of like, who's are do we have people that are buy it? Yep. Okay. Let's do it then. And if it's, yeah. and if, and if that's not your main market or your main, you know, your demographic of who's going to buy your stuff, you're not going to do it. Yeah, and I think it's not worth it. Right. And I think that's what it comes down to, at least in the fitness space is like, like, yeah. like pride is profitable. It's, and, and we've, I mean, in the studio I work at, we have corporate wide, there's a whole, pride rollout and that's the only 
real place that they've put focus on. And it's, I think it's the same with a lot of, or, you know, breast cancer, things like that, but things that people Mm -hmm. generally will spend money on. Oh, you said a mouthful, girl. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all, I mean, it's all true because as I was listening to you, I'm like, one, with pride, it technically includes all races and religions Mm -hmm. for for starters, right? right? Right. Um, Gym culture is huge in the LGBTQ community. Mm Mm-hmm specifically with the the dominant um, demographic of the LGBTQ community, which is white gay men, mm-hmm. right? So they're absolutely going to capitalize on that if it makes them more money, for sure. So moving forward, though, how would you personally like to see the fitness industry culture change, but also athletic brands and companies not be so complicit in exclusion, I guess is the best way to word it. You know, I would say honestly, that the, the brands are doing a much better job than fitness like facilities. I think, Mm. um, because I do, you know, we'll say acting modeling on the side and I see things come through for castings. A lot of them are looking for diversity. And again, Mm -hmm. it could be to check a box, but they're trying to put faces out that look you know, that are more diverse, you know, they're looking for people, you know, and especially in the fitness industry. And they, this is, you know, it, it can go with black bodies as well, but they're looking for curvier people. They're looking for, um, which again is another space of, of where we discriminate as well as like, because again, because of the disparity in, in eating or health and, and access to healthy foods and all of that, you might see larger bodies. Um, and we discriminate there of like, well, you know, that's a, that's a big body. They're not healthy. They're, you know, they're overweight, these things right. and, and weight. Right. And I just want to say weight does not define your health anyways. Um, Correct. but I think you see spaces more and I've seen a lot more ads with like curvy women, plus size women doing yoga, doing all these things, which I love. And I think is so important. I think one of the brands that does a great job and not like, I don't want to plug any one brand or not, but Peloton does an amazing job of creating, having coaches that are across the board and they, they hired a rowing coach that people absolutely tore apart because she's a bigger woman. She's a plus size woman. Mm -hmm. And people were like, why is this person the example of health, like they tore her apart and, wow. and it, it just goes a long way to show like how much we don't know about health and fitness. And, and like, I'm like, she could probably bench press you. She could probably crush you with her, you know, like with her <laughs> finger. And, and, you know, you think of athletes that are in, um, you know, um, Olympic athletes who do shot put and javelin. And like, those people are some of the strongest people ever. And, and they have bigger bodies because they have, yeah. I mean, it's anyways, it's, so I think that the brands in general, are doing a great job of trying to be inclusive of people of color, of different sizes, because it's not just like gym culture and inclusivity isn't just about skin color. It's about size too, to me. It's, yeah, um, yeah. it's about that as well. It's about age. I think that's another thing is we just got a member who, who this week turned 79 and I think oh is incredible. And she's so adorable. And she was like, I love your classes. Cause I, was like, she's going to hate this. You know, like my first thing is like, okay, this like loud music and all this, like she's going to hate this. And after her first class, she's like, I love this. So I think it's, it's age too. I think inclusivity in general Mm -hmm. across uh, the board, but brands are doing a much better job. Um, So for, for actual fitness facilities, there's a need to, I mean, the diverse, the need to diversify is huge, but it is, it comes from reaching out to, to communities that need it. Like, why are we yeah. not hosting free events in communities, in parks? No, no one 
There's no reason that a big brand cannot say, Hey, we're going to have this day in the park for, you know, for our XYZ brand and come on through. Everybody's welcome. Put it in the inner city, put it in a place where people would never have access to it. Get your best coaches out there. Your best put money into it. Have an exciting, like, because the thing is, is that jumpstart someone's health journey. It doesn't mean they have to go to your gym or that they, again, they may not be able to afford your gym or get there, but it might have them say, you know what? I could do the same workout in my front yard, in my, in my bedroom, in my living room, but it's, it takes reaching out to those communities. And that's something that, that I, we just don't do in the fitness community and, and in the, in the actual, um, studios. And that's going to take, it's going to take that. It's going to take reaching out. It's going to be creating programs for people that, um, maybe weren't uh, able to afford it in the past or, or free programs that we could, that we can have for people to, um, to be a part of, because the whole point of it is starting a healthy practice, starting an idea that fitness is important in your life that you, that you deserve. And that's the other thing, like you're worthy of working out. And I've been saying that a lot in class, like you are worth the work it takes. Like you are worth all of that because a lot of times we feel like, why don't I don't deserve that? Um, showing more diversity on your socials. Like it's that simple. It's really that easy. And I, that's one of the things I never have understood is like, it's that easy to like make somebody feel a little bit more included if they see someone. And again, you might not see it in your actual studio. You can't control what your studio looks like from place to place. I get that, especially in franchises. It's like, I can't tell you if there's a hundred black people or one black person at at any given studio because you're not there. But at least if I see that, I'm going to be like, I should go check it out. Like I would like to see what that is like for myself because I see someone that looks like me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's reaching, it's the outreach. I think it's, it's the, um, super important. Yeah. Just letting people know that they are welcome. However they are like, however they choose to show up is, you know, it's kind of how like churches are like, like, come as you are. It's like, come as you are to the gym. We want, we want to, we want to help you. We want to, um, give you a space and, and it should be a safe space. And it's the gym's just not a safe space for a lot of people. Um, because they don't feel yeah. like they see themselves either in a size in you know, in their size or their, their color. They don't see what, what represents. And, you know, we always say representation matters and it can be kind of one of those things we just kind of throw out. It's like a cute quippy yeah. thing, but it's so <laughs> true. Like if you don't see yourself, you, you don't want to be there. Like, of course. you don't think it's possible. No, you don't. You and, and I mean, I've been taking some yoga and I'm like the only black person in there. And some classes I'm like, you might still be because I, I can't get down with yoga. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I surprisingly I'm like coming along and I'm like, who am I? Who is she? Oh, I um, I yeah, that. but I mean, it's, it's definitely that space. And that's kind of how I got started. And you and I kind of started talking about this in the first place was like after an experience, where I was like, I had a black instructor and I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Like I, yeah, yeah. I felt included for the first time in yoga. I felt excited. Mm-hmm. Like I felt seen. I felt, um, it just felt different. Um, and again, I'll take yoga from anybody, but it's just, it felt finally like, yeah, experience. it just felt like, oh, okay. Um, and that opened a lot of conversations for people telling me like, oh yeah, I don't like, I don't like gyms because I don't feel like they're for me. Like as a black woman, yeah. I don't think I'm there for me. So it's, I think we need to reach out. We need to create, create um, experiences and communities of color uh, that are free or low cost or something that mm-hmm. people can mm-hmm. have the experience so that 
they they know that it's possible. Well, I love your outlook. I love what you're doing. One of my favorite things that you say in class is that, especially now because we're doing the transformation <laughs> challenge, is think about what you gain and not what you're going to lose. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important because you do gain a lot just with your health journey. And it's not about the weight or the number. It's about the confidence and feeling stronger and feeling good. So I appreciate you. I love everything you're doing. Can you let everyone know where they can follow you on yes. the socials and your read your writing, your fitness writing that yes. you do? Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Brittany M. Hammond. There's a million ways to spell Brittany. It's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. Uh, M Hammond H A M M O N D, and that's my Instagram. And then uh, my website is just uh, BrittanyMHammond.com, and that's got a link to all of my writing. And um, I'm on anywhere if you search through Live Strong, Well and Good, and Very Well Fit at the moment. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Thank you.